I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you because I believe that you are carrying something that is weighing you down. It's, it's a weight that has drained you to the point you, where you feel more tired than usual, more cynical than usual, more frustrated or angry than, than normal, uh, perhaps even worse, more disconnected from your faith and from God than is healthy. I want to pray for you because I believe that today could be a day not about exhaustion, but about endurance, not about hopelessness, but about help. See, as a, as a teaching team here at Central Heights, we looked at these first two weeks of November and thought, you know, Lord, what, what, is, what would be urgent in our culture and in our church to address? And so next week, Pastor Tim will have a unique subject that he's covering. And today, we're going to talk about the topic of rest and resilience. And so I want to pray for you, however rested or restless you feel right now as you head into this, because I believe there's something more for you something better for each one of us as we come to Jesus today. And really, that's all today is going to be about, coming to Jesus. So let me even give you permission right now. You know, maybe the idea for you of, of, of hearing a talk that might, you know, be about, about what do I do to, to find rest, maybe even that sounds exhausting to you. So let me give you permission to leave, to put this on pause, to, to stop and walk away and simply maybe go and be alone with Jesus. Because like more than you need me to talk, you need him to speak. More than you need a, a self-care to-do list, you need an encounter with the presence of the living Lord who sees you, knows what you're going through, and wants to offer you something to help. So let me pray for us as we begin. Jesus, I believe that you are alive. I believe that you are here and I believe that you are present wherever this message is being listened to right now. Could you talk to us? Could you strengthen us? Because we trust that you care about what we're going through and that you can carry what we face. We give you this time in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Am I okay? Am I really okay? Is it a question you've ever asked yourself? Uh, it's a question I've been asking myself recently and uh, I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I've avoided asking it because I'm afraid of what the answer might be. Because I think for a lot of us right now, you know, maybe like, like, a, like a battery, we feel like we're being drained. Like the pressures and the burdens and the concerns of life and then the situation we find ourselves in is, is depleting our charge, maybe to a place where we're just feeling exhausted. And you know, if, if, if that is us, what do we do with that? How do, how do we move forward in that? And I know that rest and resilience are relevant topics for us because look, I can't even go two thumb swipes on my news app without being reminded about the fact that we are tired and burning out as a society, both in the church and outside of it. Like I'm scrolling through my, my CTV news app the other day and two articles back to back with the titles, the worst is yet to come. And there is no hope. As you kind of scroll through the internet to kind of get a glimpse of what's going on in the world, you read things like this one article that, that said this, from the pandemic 
to the isolation required to keep COVID-19 at bay, to an economic decline and even changing seasons, mental health advocates say that it has never been tougher to effectively manage our mental well-being. Another psychologist talked about, you know, the, 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 the rising health toll uh, that, that the pandemic is having with the tightening restrictions, the shortening days as we approach a different season, saying that, you know, one expert called this, that we could be heading into a long and dark winter. Listen to how one writer puts it about the state of our world right now. He says that our bodies wear ragged, our spirits thirst. We have an inability to simply sit still and be as we drown ourselves in 24-7 living, we seem to be able to do anything but quench our true thirst for the life of God. We become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. Look, one of these categories or maybe a combination of these categories are causing you to feel like, wow, I am just tired. Is there a way forward for me? Am I really okay? And I think I remember a time when I started to realize that things like self-harm and suicide weren't just isolated incidents for people, you know, rare individuals somewhere out there disconnected from, you know, the larger picture, but actually were a common experience of people struggling in our culture, in our world, and even in our church. Before I moved to Abbotsford, there was a two-week period where I was having a lot of conversations where people were inviting me into their life. What a gift as a pastor to know where people really are and just sharing a feeling of, of wanting to escape the pressure they were facing. There was, a, there was a coworker I had, we'll call him C. Uh, he had a very important role in, in the workforce that we were in. You know, we'd show up to this shop and we were working for this, 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 this recreation and, and this, this city department. And you know, he had a very important post. And I remember one day, five o'clock hit, we were all heading home, this parade of vehicles leaving the shop. C was ahead of me in his pickup truck. He drives away and, and as I'm watching him, and I don't think he saw this or anybody else saw this, but this item flies out of the back of his truck. And I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to get that to him tomorrow. Well, then tomorrow came around and what was usually predictable and routine in our shop at the table where we'd start the briefing was a bit chaotic. C wasn't there. Well, who's going to man his post? Who's going to take over his duties? There were key things. There were unique things that needed to happen. And as the day unfolded, we realized that C wasn't at his post because C never made it home. He took his pickup truck, the same one that I watched pull away. He drove to a field with a gun in his vehicle and he took his own life. That item that I saw would never be returned to him. That post would never be manned by C again. And it was in that time that I realized and became convinced that there are people that I know that I think are okay that are not okay. There are people that you know that you think are okay that are not okay. And can I just say, you know, suicide is not the focus of this message today, but it might be a focus for you today. If you're in that place, could I please just ask that you look for help again? Look for help again from your friends. Look for help again from your family. Look for help again from your church or agencies that are out there, numbers that you can call, links you can click on to find resources. Could you just look for help again, please? And if that's not you, if, 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 if you're not in that space, maybe the, the thing to do for us is just to check in on one person today. 
It doesn't need to be dramatic, just a text or a call to say, hey, you came to mind, how are you doing? How are you really doing? Church, we need to be a place where it's okay to need help, where it's okay to ask for help, and where it's okay to ask for help again and again and again. Because look, if we're not really okay, then we, then we need to move forward with something. Is there something for us? And I think if all you take away from this time today is, is this reality that there's a cross in history where somebody came, where, where God himself left heaven to pay the price, to die a death that we deserved while we were his enemies, God loved us. There's a cross in history that shows this, this great unbreakable truth that you really, 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 really matter to Jesus. And that there is strength available for you today. So how can we access it? I love that the Bible gives us real stories of real people going through real stuff. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30 where we see one such story. It's a story of a man named David, a well-known figure if you're familiar with the Bible. Uh, he had been away from, from his base. He was, he was leading uh, an army. And he was heading back, and it was a town called Ziklag, and look what happened as he returns, you know, weary from their journey already physically, and they encounter something that was overloading their situation. And in 1 Samuel 30, we start to read this in, in verse 1. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Imagine, imagine this. You're already tired, you're coming home, and your home is burned. There's the smell of smoke, there's the charred ruins, and there's the emptiness because those that you love are not there anymore. And there's the weight of, of this guilt. You know, I wasn't there to protect them, and now there's this uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen to them. I don't know where they are. I don't know if they're well. All I know is they are not with me. Then David, it says, and the people who were with them raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Those words, no more strength. Maybe you resonate with those today. Maybe you realize, man, I can't keep going this way. If I keep going this way for six more months, I'm going to be in a worse place off than I am now. I don't have the strength to even muster up the tears to confront my situation. Well, this, ha this is happening to David and to his men. And why? Because it says, you know, David's two wives had been ca taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel, Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. So you're David, your family, they're in danger. Your city, burned, your, your, your men that you're leading, your army, ready to betray you and crush you with stones. Your own strength, not even enough to help you to, 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 to weep about your situation. The relational dynamics, all of, all of the weight of this situation leading you to a place of, of exhaustion and to despair. But I love what he does. But David, it says, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. 
couple of things we see here. First, David's circumstances and exhaustion were not evidence that God did not care about him. We might be thinking, oh, wow, you know, all of what I'm going through, it's actually evidence that God isn't for me, that he isn't real, that he isn't with me, that he doesn't love me. And that could have been what David thought too. But no, David does find strength. So what it can't be is that God doesn't care and that God cannot carry. No, David matters to God. You matter to God and strength is available. Your circumstances shouldn't inform who God is. No, let Let your circumstances be seen through the lens of what God sees. The second thing we see is that there is strength available even when you're in the midst of it. So how do we access this? Like, I don't often feel like I'm this super Christian. You know, David's this hero of faith. You know, how, how, what do I have to do to experience what he experienced? It seems like, do I have to just kind of bring my own effort and courage and, and muster up something of my own ability? No, strength is available as a gift to you amidst your despair, and rest is available amidst your exhaustion. How do we access it? The simple thing I want to give us today is that we need to come to Jesus. And that might sound like something you've expected or something you've heard before, but, but think it through seriously because it's an invitation. Not that the church just kind of offers as a bumper sticker, but it is an invitation from the mouth of God himself. Look at what we see In Matthew chapter 11, the voice of Jesus that can speak into your situation right now. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we come to Jesus, the gift he gives us is rest. Rest that makes us resilient, that that creates in us a state of being that's different than anything the world could offer. And look, he's he's using agricultural language of a yoke, you know, something that's put put on you. But but when it's about Jesus doing this, when it's what we get when we come to him, it's different than any other yoke out there. Look at how one writer puts it, describing uh, this this yoke. The Pharisees had spoken of people being called to carry the yoke of the Torah, the heavy burden of the Jewish law, with all its commandments. Jesus offered a different yoke, which, because it came from his mercy and love, was easy to bear. How could following Jesus really be that easy? Didn't he say himself that people had to be prepared to leave behind family, possessions, even their own life? Yes, he did. But the ease and the joy, the rest and the refreshment which he offered all spring from his own inner character, his gentleness and warmth to all who turn to him, weighed down by burdens, moral, physical, emotional, financial, or whatever. He's offering what he has in himself to offer. Come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Do we realize who we're coming to when we come to Jesus? What's the picture that we have? Is it a picture of of a distant being who's uninterested and doesn't really know about what's going on and that needs to be appeased and that we need to earn some sort of favor so that he'll do something for us? Is that the picture that we have or is it something else? Come to me. You know, it's like we need to see a picture of Jesus that that he's giving us here. I'm I'm gentle and lowly. I'm, I'm, I'm meek in heart. 
It's like Hebrews 4 would tell us, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in, and help in our time of need. God is not distant and distracted, uncaring, unfeeling, with his arms crossed, waiting for you to be corrected or pushed away from him. No, he's approachable. He gets what you're going through. And there is grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. I love this picture of Jesus. You know, are you really okay today? Because if you're not and you need some rest, well, the good news is that you really matter to Jesus. And if you come to him, you're coming to a God who cares and who can carry. Strength is available to you. So how do we do this? How do we come to him? How do we get this gift of rest from him? And I just want to give us a list of suggestions to try. These are, these are pro tips that I've found helpful in my life. These are things that I've, as I've talked with others and as they've walked with Jesus and have found him to be a source of help in their time of need. These are things that they've put into practice that they found helpful. Some of them just make sense because of how God has designed us. Some of them are, are, are directly, you know, involving how we interact with our culture. And some of them, you know, are, are so ingrained into the biblical narrative itself. But here are a few things to try to put ourselves in a position to come to Jesus and experience rest. You know, maybe number one, to, to investigate your weariness. Be curious about why you feel the way you feel. You know, sometimes I realize I'm exhausted needlessly. Like I'm the source of my own burnout. And like, you know, David would pray in Psalm 139, search me, God, you know, point out any offensive way in me, lead me. Maybe we need to examine our lives, audit our circumstances and go, am I, what is causing this? Why do I feel the way I feel? And am I, you know, responsible for this? interrogate your restlessness, investigate it, be curious about why you feel the way you feel. Try this as well, you know, aim for eight hours of sleep. Simple, right? Practical, right? But this is the way we were designed. We're not designed to, you know, run on two or three or four hours of sleep. And I know it might be a struggle for some of us, but again, in, in combination with a lot of other suggestions, you know, try to aim for this. If it's in your power, if it's in your control, you know, don't just get home at the end of the day and, and you know, try to unplug and, and, and just, you know, say, you know, I, I've earned myself some, some relaxation. I'm just going to stay up super late and catch up on that show and that will replenish me. Well, maybe you need to consider actually getting physical rest, not just mentally, you know, uh, unplugging from, from your day. Maybe you need to drink more water. You know, this is, it, it, research is showing that as a society, we are living in a perpetual state of dehydration. And, you know, what effect would it have if we just, you know, did that better? You know, another thing we could try, try having 16 minutes of stillness at some point in your day. You know, scientists talk about how, you know, our minds get cluttered throughout the day and they need a way to, to sweep away the noise. So just get, get, a, get in, a, in a rhythm where you're finding a place in your day for 16 or, or maybe more uh, minutes to just let your mind wander. Free from distraction, free from, you know, interaction. Just get alone, maybe close your eyes, take some deep breaths, and just let your mind go where it goes. That's, that's our mind's way of decluttering and, and, and processing of what's going on. 
Maybe that'll lead you to prayer even, because that will be the next suggestion. Spend time with God. And I know that sounds maybe cliche for some of us, and maybe we've you know thought about trying this or or have started and stopped trying this at times, but you know, you know, you know, put aside time to do this. Be in the word, hear what he has to say, hear his invitation. You know, let, let it shape your perspective of him. Talk with him, speak with him, listen to his voice. You know, maybe create an atmosphere of worship in your home where you're you know, maybe making a playlist of music that, that is Jesus-centered and orients you around the, the greater realities than the realities that you face right now. Spend time with God. I would also say, you know, you know to experiment with this, this thing, uh, called fasting, where you're, you're, you're laying aside something, I would say especially food, to, in order to seek God. And for me, this isn't one that I always look forward to, uh, but I never regret doing like, like nine times out of ten. It's like, wow, I cannot believe I've neglected this practice. Uh, another thing to, to try, to be cautious about escapism. Uh, I know it's, sometimes it's hard to distinguish what it really is an escapist behavior, but it's like, you know, oh, I just need this glass of wine or I just need this one beer. And then one beer turns into two, two turns into three every night. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, now I need hard liquor. And it's like, you know, maybe it's not a substance. Maybe it's, you know, something you, you know, you participate in recreationally to escape, you know, video games, music, you know, Disney plus, whatever it is. Be careful about escapism. Because if we're pressing into escape more than pressing into what's real, especially as we want to abide in Jesus, like this John 15 language would say, to abide in him, we might be doing ourselves a disservice. Which is why I would also say, try this, relax second. Because there's a difference between rest and relaxation. Rest is Jesus-centered, and it's, it's us coming to a position where we're receiving something from him. Relaxation for me is like unplugging and just forgetting about my cares and worries and, and, and just trying to do something to distract me from what's true. Try to do that second. If you've got an hour in your evening or, or whenever it is on your weekend, try to pursue Jesus first and then relax second. There's nothing wrong with relaxing. But if it's not empowered by rest, it might not be as helpful as you think. Finally, a last suggestion, and one that I can't endorse enough, is to try to practice a 24-hour Sabbath. It's curious, you know, in, in Matthew 11, as Jesus talks about coming to him and finding rest for our souls, that right after that, there's two stories about the Sabbath. You know, it's, we might think this is sort of a, a lost practice or something from the Old Testament that we don't need to pursue today, but, but look at the benefits it would have for us. I'm finding this to be such a helpful practice for me where I stop thinking about work and, and, and even thinking about work research shows releases the same chemicals as actually working. So I try as best I can to stop working. And if I do remember something to, to journal, to write it down in a physical to-do list so it's not living in my head. I, I turn off my phone for 24 hours so I don't have the the noise of it so that I'm not, you know, being made aware of things I'm missing out on or things that are happening. It allows me to be present in the moment, to just take a break from something that I, that I think isn't helping my mental health all the time. To, to, you know, to eat extravagantly. Like in our home, the best meals, the best snacks are saved for that 24-hour period. To, to go outside and, and to, to spend time breathing in the fresh air and making observations about God's creation and, and to find these moments of wonder whereby it's like, wow, this, this, is, this is what God has done. This, this is who he is. To, to As we pray throughout our day, throughout that Sabbath, to be excessively grateful for, for who God is, for what he's done, and the things that you know, he provides for us 
you know, I found myself the other day just just being thankful for like things that seem just like I take for granted so often. Like like I was like, Lord, thank you for the warm things in life. This was the other day. You know, thank you for things that are warm, like like a warm shower, a warm bed to sleep in, warm food to eat. Be excessively grateful. Practice that as as you as you pray throughout that day. I would say also, you know, be okay with falling short. Sabbath is more of an art form than it is a strict bunch of rules where you have to do this or not do that or whatever. I've been trying to pursue this for like two years now and it's like a work in progress. The Sabbath is under construction in my life, but I'm finding it to be so healthy, so life-giving. And that one day actually affects all the other six in a very healthy way where I'm approaching things from a place of rest, not weariness. A couple of a couple of guidelines I would give that I've learned uh, about Sabbath, about coming to Jesus and putting myself in a position to experience the strength that He offers in that 24-hour period. Number one would be that you know I'm not anyone's Lord or Savior; Jesus is. So I can take a break. I can be free from the need to control things or to try to fix things. Because look, the the one who literally was the Savior of the world, the Lord of the universe. He practiced Sabbath. So why can't, why can't I? Number two, I would say that we need to orient our week around Sabbath. It's not just something to try to get to. It's actually something that propels us into the rest of our, of our week. And so like a vacation, you know, you make preparations, you get supplies, you, you make plans so that once you're on vacation, you don't have to think about certain things. Maybe that's what you need to do. Uh, for me, I, I take Sabbath on a Friday. And so on Thursday, I'm trying to make sure I'm doing as many errands as I can, that I'm, I'm setting myself up for success so that when I'm actually in that 24-hour period, there are fewer things to worry about. And number three, a, a thing that I've learned about Sabbath is that it actually, better, more than just about my own well-being, it helps me to love God and love others better. Because when I'm rested, I'm more attentive to God. I'm more attentive to the people I'm with. When I'm rested, my mind more easily stays on Jesus. And, and when that happens, as Isaiah 26 would tell us, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The time to take this seriously is now. Because look, what's at stake here is so much more than we often realize. Whether we feel pretty good or whether we're just hanging on by a thread. As one pastor puts it, a restful spirit is spiritual warfare in a culture of exhaustion. Because even if you aren't exhausted right now, practicing rest, coming to Jesus, building a rhythm like that will help prepare you for when you do face tough times. A friend of mine recently uh, walked through a, an end-of-life situation with it, with his mother. He flew to Europe, and there was a lot of you know craziness with the pandemic and surrounding that family dynamics, the some of the deepest moments of his life. And and he said, you know, it was weird because my devotional rhythm was thrown off. I didn't spend the same amount of time with God there then as I typically do here. Uh, but something he said I think so reinforces this. Just like we see in the life of David, David knew what to do when the time came. He said that, you know, how you go into a storm will affect how you go through a storm. So where, where is your battery at today? Come to Jesus. He offers you rest, whether you think you need it yet or not. So let's start building this rhythm. Let's be people who are, who are experiencing the power of God to create us to be resilient in a culture that it's so easy to find ourselves burned out. 
So a lot like Paul in, in Philippians chapter 4 would tell us, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Serious rest creates spiritual resilience. And this is a gift that Jesus can give us today. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you that we would experience the love and the care of a God who sees and who can strengthen us wherever we're at today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I know that you're alive. I know that you're here. I believe that you care about me. So I put my trust in you for things outside of my control. I ask for help in the things that I can control. Help me to place boundaries in my life. Help me to seek you weekly. I give you my burdens today, knowing that you care for me. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. I ask for rest in Jesus' name. Amen.